Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. I never thought we'd be where we are today, but we're looking forward to what God's going to do tomorrow, and we want you to be part of it. So this is a new beginning. You were here at the beginning of a new generation and a new day for missions to the Jews. A new day with new strategies, new technologies, but the same old message that transforms lives, that by putting your trust in Jesus the Messiah, you receive the gift of everlasting life, right? And your life on earth is totally transformed. And that's what our prayer is for our Jewish people. That was Dr. Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries, speaking at our 125th anniversary gala in November 2019. After 125 years of ministry, we thought we had seen it all, but we really did not know what was ahead. Throughout scripture, there are many commands that begin with one word, remember. When we remember how far God has brought us, it gives us hope for the future. In this special episode of Our Hope Podcast, we are going to take a look back at 2020, not with disgust or despair, but with gratitude for all that God has done. He has proven that he is not finished yet with the work he began. In fact, he is just getting started. Our headquarter office in New York closed in the middle of March, less than a month away from Passover. The Passover Seder banquets we had planned were all canceled, and we began to think of ways to connect with you, our friends, during the Passover season. It was then that we decided to live stream a virtual Passover Seder. Here's what Dr. Mitch Glazer had to say as he kicked off the event. We're going to celebrate Messiah and the Passover. And the basic reason we're going to do that is because Jesus is the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world, and we're celebrating him. He is what this season is all about, his person and his work, his death and his resurrection. And uh, according to Isaiah the prophet, uh, the coming Messiah was described in this way. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before cheerers, so he did not open his mouth. All of the prophecies of the Old Testament pointing to the Messiah have all been fulfilled in this wonderful, glorious person, our Lord Jesus, the Mashiach, the Messiah, 
for both Jew and Gentile. And for me as a Jewish believer, there's no better expression of the way in which he completed the picture of the promised Messiah than to come to this last supper, this Seder that ultimately was fulfilled in the last supper. And so every follower of Jesus loves communion, loves the Lord's Supper, where we recount what he did uh, the last evening of his earthly life, and we remember what he did at Calvary. We will explore the Last Supper tonight, as it was a Passover Seder. And in a sense, we're going to be like the early Jewish disciples sitting around the table uh, with Jesus. And... Uh, going through many of the practices and ceremonies that he went through that actually pointed to him. And so in many ways, the Last Supper, of course, was incredibly prophetic and it was fulfilled uh, very soon thereafter. For some, this was the first Passover Seder they had ever watched. We were grateful to show the connection between the sacred holiday and Yeshua's Last Supper with his disciples. Educating the church is an important part of our work. Many believers want to tell their Jewish friends and family about Yeshua, but they do not know how or where to start. This is one of the reasons we founded the Feinberg Center for Messianic Jewish Studies in Brooklyn. In May, we were supposed to have Dr. Craig Keener from Asbury Seminary speak at the Feinberg Center, but due to the pandemic, we moved to seminar series online. The result? Over 5,000 people watched as Dr. Keener explained the Jewish context of key New Testament passages in a way that was both relevant and heartfelt. Listen to this clip from the Q&A session. God is an autocratic God who demands worship and punishes mistakes. We love God because he first loved us. But how can I answer the question of why did God create us and why does he want our praise and worship? Wow. This is, a, this is a foundational, radical question. Yes. And I'm thinking of, of two levels of answer to that. And if I forget, I am an absent-minded professor, so you may have to remind me of the thrust of the question halfway through. But, um, but already in the Torah, um, like, well, in, in, in the Tanakh, in the, in the prophets, for example, uh, Jeremiah my people have committed two great evils. They've, uh, they've, they've, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've dug out for themselves cisterns or water tanks, broken water tanks that can hold no water. Or in Hosea, God says, my people, you're against me, against your help. It's for our good too. I mean, we need God, we are finite. What, what, what are we without God? All the blessings we have are from God. And so if we're against God, if, if ultimately he hands us over to what we want, apart from God, apart from all his blessings, that kind of alienation would be, that would just be awful. <laughs> um, and the Bible has language for that. But um, in terms of the other, uh, why, why would God, create us. I'm, I'm just leaving aside all the questions of um, how old the universe is and how God did it and so on. It looks to me, uh, and actually this, the Stoics thought this too, and, and uh, 
Judaism has historically thought this, but um, it looks to me like God designed the universe so that life could exist, which suggests to me that God really wanted life to exist, wanted human life to exist. And so it suggests to me a God of love who actually would be involved in history, which certainly fits um, scripture and climaxes, I believe, in a God who cared for us so much that he would step into history himself and, and bring us to himself. And so what we have with Yeshua, this is, this is a God of such love that he would endure even the, the ultimate agony. Now, do I have time to tell a story? Yes, this is a big question, go ahead. Okay. Okay, this, some people will not like me after hearing the story, but it's worth it if I can communicate a point uh, to other people. My, my, uh, my, my wife, my loving, wonderful wife today is not the one this story is about, um, but 15 years before I married her, I was abandoned by my first wife. She ran off with her best friend's husband and, um, it's all forgiven now, but I'm just telling this as a uh, uh, is a way of saying I, I I fought the divorce. She wanted to divorce me so she could marry her friend's husband, who had just divorced his wife because of the uh, he wanted to marry my wife. So I, I fought the divorce for a couple of years, and in fighting the divorce, I. Uh, you know, day after day, the, the pain of rejection was just so great. And I kept loving despite the pain of rejection. The pain of wounded love is, is a lot, but I could endure it as long as I had hope that she might return. But eventually, you know, under, under law, you know, there's only so many years you can fight it, <laughs> even uh, on the grounds of, well, the, the, the only grounds at that point would have been, uh, since I wasn't the one filing, the only grounds would have been uh, two years physical separation. So I fought it as long as I could. But when there was no hope of her coming back, the pain would have just been masochism. <laughs> the, the pain of rejected love eventually I had to say enough. I, I have to let go. It didn't mean I stopped loving, but I had to let go. And God's love is so great that he was willing to endure the pain of rejected love. He was willing to endure even the pain of Yeshua being nailed to the tree of sacrifice so that we could be restored to him. But if despite that pain, we continue to reject his love. Eventually, there comes a time when God says enough. And I believe that happens when we die. God has given us so many chances in this life to engage his love. The, the, the signs of his blessing all around us, the air that we get to breathe, the, you know, our health isn't always perfect, but the fact that we have any health, the fact that we have life to begin with, these are God's gifts. And 
eventually God says enough. It's the enough of the broken heart of rejected love. Dr. Keener, thank you so much for being so transparent um, and, and that answer, it's a powerful answer. It's a, it's a really big question, you know, and with a lot of different aspects to it, but, uh, but you've answered it beautifully and powerfully and personally. So thank you, thank you very much for doing that. As summer was approaching, many of us felt our cabin fever begin to intensify. The idea of spending an entire summer without going on vacation, or even spending a day at the beach, was burdensome. So we teamed up with our friends at the Fellowship for Israel-Related Ministries, or FIRM, for our first ever virtual concert. Our lineup included some of our favorite Messianic musicians, including Paul Wilbur, Marty Getz, Joshua Aaron, and an Israeli band you might have heard of before called Makedem. Enjoy this performance of their song, Bet Set.
As the year wore on, many of us wondered when life and ministry would go back to normal. However, even during this time of lockdown, our staff members were still working hard to share the Messiah's love with Jewish communities around the world. This time of desperation became a time of innovation, when staff members started hosting online Havrot, or small groups, live streaming services from their Messianic congregations, and reaching out to others through any means possible. To report on what God had been doing through our ministry in those first few months of lockdown, we hosted an online event called Moving Forward in Hope. The following testimony is from Robert Walter, who serves on our staff in Brooklyn. So one praise report that we have is uh, that about a month before the quarantine began, a Jewish man who was not a believer in Jesus, uh, he came and visited our congregation. And when he came that day, he came on a Saturday morning for our service. And after the service, he hung out with us. He stayed with us for pretty much the entire afternoon. And we wound up studying the Gospel of John for over three hours with this man. And while we were studying through John, we went through John 1, John 2, and John 3 especially. And when we were in John 3, we could see the, uh, the truth begin to really take root in this man's mind and in his heart. And he had a lot of great questions and it began to click. It was like almost the light bulb went off and he realized, oh, that's why Jesus had to die. It was because of our sins. He did it so that we could have eternal life. So after that visit, uh, we continued to stay in touch with him. And then the coronavirus pandemic uh, came on the scene. And uh, within the first week that we began to have services online, he logged on for the service and he was listening intently and even asking some questions that, uh, that day as well. And uh, that evening, that evening, one of our congregation members connected with him, contacted him, and they were having a FaceTime conversation. And after about 45 minutes, as this man was, was sharing and pouring his heart out and sharing about how this pandemic was giving him so much fear and anxiety and how he was really recognizing how, uh, how fragile the world is how fragile our circumstances are, and uh, how he needed solid ground to stand on. So our congregation member was there sharing the gospel, and after about 45 minutes, he posed the question to our Jewish friend, uh, do you believe that Jesus is that firm foundation? Do you believe that through him, you can have that peace, and through his death, you can have that forgiveness and that confidence? and become a part of an, a kingdom that is unshakable. And this really spoke to this man's heart. And he prayed to receive Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, right then and there. And since then, we have watched him grow in his faith. Uh, we have seen him uh, become a part of not just one small group on our, uh, in our congregation, but he's a part of every small group. He can't get enough of the word. He can't get enough of fellowship. And while he continues to grow and there's still, you know, some things that he's working through, uh, we are just so grateful and just praising God to see that, uh, that he is still on the move in the Jewish community in the midst, despite uh, a, a pandemic. So please pray for him. Uh, pray for his growth. Pray for his spiritual growth. He's beginning to talk about uh, baptism. So we're, you know, again, discipling him and coaching him through all of these uh, new things that he has to deal with. 
As summer came to a close, we turned our attention to the most important time of the year on the Jewish calendar, the fall festivals. These holy days, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, are all connected to Yeshua and foreshadow the Messianic age to come. We live stream services for each one of these festivals, and our staff around the globe work together to make these services engaging, informative, and most importantly, centered around Yeshua. The following excerpt is from Vladimir Pickman's message on Rosh Hashanah. We can get the forgiveness. God is the true and righteous judge. According to what we read about God and God of Israel from the very beginning of the Torah is he is, he is righteous and his judgment is always right. And he punishes those who do, uh, who do sin. But at the same time, he is full of mercy and he is full of grace. And he is ready to forgive. Besides, he loves us. For Sukkot, our president, Dr. Mitch Glazer, filmed his message outside in his very own sukkah, or booth. We cannot show the sukkah through this podcast, but as you listen to this clip, imagine the inside of a white tent with a garland of metallic purple grapes hanging in the background. The Feast of Tabernacles is all about joy. All about joy. And there's so much to celebrate especially for followers of Yeshua the Messiah. Even in the midst of pandemic, season of economic hardship and social unrest, we are able to celebrate because Yeshua sealed the deal on Yom Kippur. We hope and pray that when the gates close, then the Elah service, that last night of Yom Kippur, that when the gates close, the gates to the temple and the gates to the city of Jerusalem close, that we will have eternal life. We will have forgiveness. During this year, we truly learn the value of creating digital content that connects. Through the internet, we sang together, we celebrated together, and we learned together and we also listen together. This year, we launched Our Hope Podcast, which has become a platform to share the Messianic community with the world. We talk about Israel and theology, we share about how to engage with the Jewish community, and we share testimonies from Jewish people who believe in Yeshua. These stories often go unheard, and we feel it is important that both Jewish and Gentile people hear these incredible stories of faith. One of our recent guests, Moti Vaknin, shared the moving, and at times hilarious, story of how he came to believe in Yeshua as his Messiah. Here is a clip from our interview with him. Okay. And he invited me to a Shabbat service in synagogue, in a synagogue. And I said, yeah, I'll come, you know, why not? I, want, I, was, I was back then a photographer. I needed to meet new people, especially Jewish yeah. people, you know, weddings, bar mitzvahs. Oh, yeah, that's where the It's a good is. business for me, <laughs> exactly. I said, I'll go to the synagogue. 
So I remember I'm, I'm talking to my friend on the phone and I'm giving her the address. Now, she, she's also a believer. She never told me she was a believer, a Jewish believer. Mm. And I'm giving her the address and she's, she was quiet for a few seconds. And then she said, you know where, we, where you're going, right? And I'm like, a synagogue? <laughs> and, then, and then she said, just, just be open-minded. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> it's not like I've been, I've been to so many synagogues before. It's only a synagogue. Yeah. What's going to happen? And <laughs> I remember we were going to his, to his uh, congregation in New York. And uh, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in this, in, inside of the congregation. And I look all around and I see men and women together sit in the audience. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, at my friend and I'm like, oh, this is probably a reform synagogue. This is why she told me to be open-minded because you won't right. see stuff like that in an Orthodox synagogue, women and men together in the same place. And then, of course, the flag of Israel, and I see all those uh, Israeli symbols and the Jewish mm -hmm. symbols. And then I see Steve. He came out to the stage, and uh, he started saying in Hebrew, and he started he's lifting his hands, and he started saying in Hebrew, Yeshua, bless us, Yeshua, we want more of you. And I, I, rem I remember hearing the name Yeshua, and I was shocked. That was the first time that I ever heard his name correctly. And I'm sitting next to my friend, and I'm, I'm like, pounching her, you know, psst, psst. Who's, who's, who's Yeshua? Who's Yeshua? Now, she looks at me, and she's looks, she looks at me, like, with this, uh, with this look, like, you came from, from space. Where are you coming from? It's Jesus. And when she said Jesus, I stood up in the middle of the service and I started to yell at her, this Jewish girl. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> that I told her, you're Jewish. How could you do this to me? You're bringing me into a church. You told me it's a synagogue. The service stopped completely. Everyone mm. looked at me. And when I found out that they all stopped, I just, I was, I felt so embarrassed. So I just sat down. I was sitting in my chair and I said, that's it. As soon as the service is going to over, I'm going to leave this place for good. I'm never going to come mm -hmm. back. And the guy who was leading worship started sharing his testimony. And I remember his words very clear. When he came to faith, he said stuff like that. He's, he said his thoughts and he said, um, <laughs> how am I going to tell my Jewish mom that I believe in Jesus? And, and I was shocked because somehow I felt the same. I was not a believer back then, and he, he shared his testimony, he shared the gospel, mm -hmm. and when he said that, I felt like I'm going to actually do that one day, and I'm going to actually, how am I going to tell my Jewish mom that, I'm, that I believe in Jesus? As winter drew near, we knew we wanted to do an online event for Hanukkah. But this time, we wanted to engage with an audience we had not reached before. Kids! Hanukkah is a fun holiday, and we were all in need of some Hanukkah cheer. We reached out to some of our staff members who have kids at home and came up with what is, most likely, the first ever online Messianic Children's Hanukkah Special Variety Program, with sections for music, storytelling, and even a craft. We also made sure that the kids, and adults, 
who were watching knew how this holiday points to Yeshua. Here is a clip from Derek Blumenthal's Hanukkah message. Wow, I never get tired of hearing the story of the Maccabees. They were so strong and brave, and God was so faithful. There's a reason stories like these are told over and over and over again. So we never forget. This really happened. It's so easy to be forgetful. We can forget to do our chores or our homework or to clean up our rooms. But there are some really important things God always wants us to remember. This is why we've been given so many creative ways passed down for hundreds or even thousands of years, so that we can remember that God always makes his promises come true. Hanukkah is a good example of how we can remember a great miracle that God had done for the Jewish people. Remember, any miracle God does for the Jewish people is good for the whole world. We know this because in the Bible, in Genesis 22, verse 18, God tells Abraham, and through your offspring or your children, all nations on earth will be blessed. You see, the victory for the Jewish people was great for them at that time, but it meant a whole lot more too. It meant victory for the world. If the Greeks won and the Jewish people were never again able to worship God freely, then God's plans could have never come true. You see, when God told Abraham that his children would bless the whole earth, that meant that through his children, the Savior would come. The Savior, or the Messiah, is Yeshua. You may know him as Jesus. Yeshua came a while after the Maccabees, and he had one mission, to make a way for people like you and me to have a best friendship with God. One of the last milestones we reached this year was bringing our work to television. Shalom Jerusalem is a show we created with the Alliance for the Peace of Jerusalem, which is an organization that wants to help people have a better understanding of the complexities of the Middle East, including its roots in history and the Bible. The topics covered on Shalom Jerusalem include replacement theology, God's covenants, the impact of the gospel in the Middle East, and so much more. We were recently blessed to interview evangelist Anne Graham Lotz about her heart for Israel. Here is an excerpt from that interview. I want to go to Psalm 122 because we're told in the scriptures to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I've heard some pastors kind of take that verse and say, well, that means to pray for the city that you live in. And while I believe both are important, I, I don't think that that really is what the verse means. I think we actually are called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So could you take a moment and maybe tell our viewers, what are ways that we could, as believers, pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Well, you know, um, I would take great issue with that pastor. I think he's sort of going around his elbow to try to figure that out. But it doesn't apply to, to Jerusalem because it's very, very clear. And Jerusalem is the city on which God has put his name. I know you know that. And it's very precious to him. And he, it's been trampled underfoot. It's been torn apart. It's been fought over. Why, why in the world would that city be so fought over if 
if it wasn't something that was very special to God, because I, as you and I know, there's a huge spiritual battle going on in the invisible world and, and the enemy um, would like to destroy God's people and anything that God loves, you know, which, which includes that city. And so when I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, yes, I pray that um, for these Abraham Accords, I pray that others will sign on to them. I pray that, um, you know, Israel will be recognized by her neighbors and there would be a cessation of hostilities. I pray that those missiles that come in from Gaza, and I was there on the Gaza border when I had to, you know, go into bunkers and, and hide in the safe places because the missiles were coming down around us. And it's, um, it's a horror. I, I just cannot believe what the Israelis are going through down there on the southern border. But so I, I pray that, that there'll be a cessation of those hostilities. But actually, Esther, the, the real bottom line answer to that prayer is when Jesus comes back. And it says in um, Isaiah that when, when the government is on his shoulders, he's the Prince of Peace. And when the government, the authority is on the shoulders of Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, that's when there will be peace. So when I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, yes, I'm praying for cessation of hostilities, but I'm praying for the real peace that will come one day when Jesus comes back. He sets up his rule from that city. He rules the whole world in peace and justice and righteousness. And everybody around the world can sit under their own vine and fig tree and, and there'll be no more war. And it's going to be heaven on earth, actually. You can watch Shalom Jerusalem every Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time on nrbtv.org. As we look back, we know that the year 2020 was not canceled. It was not a wasted year. Back in March, we thought we were facing a year of famine, but God has turned this year into a fruitful one. We are so grateful for all he has done in us and through us. And we pray that as we enter 2021, that this work will continue and grow. We're also grateful for you friends who have watched, listened, engaged with us and prayed for us throughout this year. We could not have made it this far without your support. If you feel led to support our work, you can give today at chosenpeople.com donate. We want to leave you with the following verse. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Messiah Yeshua. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope Podcast. And we hope you have a happy new year. This episode of Our Hope Podcast was brought to you by Dr. Mitch Glazer, Abraham Vasquez, Grace Sweet, Kyron Bautista, Neil Saraski, Esther Allen, Anne Graham Lotz, McKedem, the Fellowship for Israel Related Ministries, Dr. Craig Keener, and all the staff at Chosen People Ministries. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHoPodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.